It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of rip-offs, I have an alert for you in today's Clark Rageous Moment about emails people are getting that you click on them, you are going to hate what happens next. And then coming up yet later, there are a number of people that are starting to show distress with their levels of debt, and there are specialized factors now that have gotten FICO, the people that do the main scoring model, to come out with a new method of scoring you, new factors that will be weighed more heavily And I want to tell you, what are the things that will help your score more than before and hurt your score more than before? And that's coming up for you yet later. So the news around the world is about the unknowns that we face from the coronavirus. And it's something that is one of those things that creates in some people like a visceral fear and others it's like ho-hum you know i'm not worried about that and i wanted to address both angles on that with practical things that i'd like you to be aware of uh, as to whether or not this is going to become a threat to life and safety in the united states in fact in the whole western hemisphere hard to know if that's going to happen and odds are that this will be even though there are isolated cases that have been found around the world that odds favor that this will not spread heavily in the united states and canada i mean but that's just based on historical experience that people who work in public health have but they're always extra vigilant and extra concerned. Now, one industry is facing a lot of questions from travelers, and that's cruise lines, airlines, anything to do with the travel industry is, uh, it's almost like an hour-by-hour thing. A bunch of cruise lines have canceled sailings. They were going to sail specifically into China and uh, peripherally to China because If you imagine a cruise ship, the close quarters people are in, someone comes on as a carrier of the coronavirus where it tends to be uh, no symptoms for up to two weeks that somebody's contagious, that could be absolutely a hideous situation. So the cruise lines that sail in that part of the world, which is pretty much all the major ones, are for now canning cruises that would have departed from areas close to the affected regions in China. And that is part of what you do anytime there's a potential for an epidemic, is you isolate. And I know, because we've already had people posting questions about what do they do about their travel. And a number of airlines have come up with very good policies on how to accommodate people who were flying to China or certain other spots in Asia and are offering people the option of getting a refund. So far, our three full fare airlines in the United States that offer service to Asia 
American United and Delta have not done so. Their policies are confusing, they are not customer-friendly, and they are not protective of public health. And I think about how we need, because these situations can't arise, we need some form of system, and if necessary, law, that requires during a situation that's a threat to public health, that people should have the right to cancel travel with a full refund. Uh, But that is not the deal in the United States now. And American United and Delta may come to their senses because think of what happens to them long term if they become a source of what brings coronavirus into widespread, uh, you know, a widespread kind of breakout in the United States. So it's really dumb to tell people they have to fly or they lose their money. On that case, though, there's something I want you to think about with travel you may book for a spring, summer, or fall to places far afield. Because we don't know the extent of this, where it may go, if it's something that just peters out pretty quickly or becomes a greater global concern. There is an obscure kind of travel insurance you can buy that you pay more for than traditional travel insurance, but it allows you to cancel for any reason. So it doesn't have to be a covered reason because travel insurance providers aren't going to say, oh, well, you know, you're going to um, you're going to Bangkok, so we're not concerned about that. Even if you're concerned about going to Bangkok or you're concerned about going to Tokyo or whatever, we don't care. That's not a covered reason. If you buy a policy that says you can cancel for any reason, you're okay. And you don't get back all your money. Typically, with a cancel for any reason policy, you get back three quarters of your money, which would be something that people might be willing to walk away from a quarter if they're going to have no fun or worry on a trip they were planning to take. Um, stock market. You know, the stock market here in the United States and overseas has reacted badly to this. And that's because investors never like uncertainty. Obviously, any travel company or any company that does business heavily in Asia is going to be affected by the market. A lot of U.S. restaurant chains have big presence in Asia. They're going to be affected. A lot of uh, manufacturers will be affected. And so it's unclear what the long-term implications are for the stock market, but stock values in the United States have been very, very hefty and a little high by historical numbers, and this could be a time that people take an excuse to take a breather, and you could see a uh, little bit of a nick to your values in your 401k or other things. But there's nothing about this that says run for the hills with your investing. And I just want you to, to know that, that we don't know yet how this is all going to play, obviously. But eventually, like all the other things we feared, like Ebola and SARS and all that, eventually public health people get it under control. And the, it's a tragedy for people who suffer from it and family members who lose loved ones. But in terms of the overall economic performance here and overseas, it is a temporary effect. Um, 
oil prices, what you pay to put uh, gasoline in your vehicle or diesel in your vehicle, you're going to see those prices depressed at least for a good while by the effects of this on uh, how much travel people do, which reduces the overall demand for fuel. And as the demand falls, the supply rises and it lowers the price for you. And one other thing I want to mention is something that uh, may sound ridiculous to you, but it's something I believe in. So we in our home have, as I've mentioned before, a small amount of cash because if all the methods of payment were to be hacked or anything like that, having cash will be valuable. We don't have enough that's worth anybody trying to break into our house, but we have you know enough cash to cover several days of spending if we needed it. Um, and we also have a good supply of water in the event that we had to stay at home. We also have a good supply of non-perishable food. And taking precautions like that for so many different reasons, could be a storm, could be a terrorist attack, could be an illness spreading, something like that. I think you should be prepared. And these are simple precautions that I think just make good common sense. Martin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Martin. How are you doing? Hello, Clark. It's a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, thank you for all over the years uh, that I've been listening to you, that all the money you've uh, saved our family. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. Um, I had a quick question. Uh, now that I'm retired, I've been receiving uh, a lot of solicitation to join one of these major organizations uh, for retired uh, individuals like myself. Um, oh, I think you can name would... them. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank you. It's uh, AARP. Okay. And uh, I already I already belong uh, to other to other organizations that have say, uh, provide savings for members and travel and hotels and meals and things of that nature. So I was wondering uh, if there's any benefit to uh, to join uh, that organization, uh, AARP. So, so joining AARP to get discounts is a good idea. I mean, I'll hear from people who object to AARP's nonprofit arm for what they do lobbying politically. But if that's not an issue for you, being a member of AARP is really cheap, and the group, the group membership size gets you so many different discounts. Now, a lot of times when I'm going to stay somewhere, I'll see, you know, I'll go look for special rates, and I'll see what the AAA rate is, which I'm a member of AAA. You see what the AARP rate is and things like that. And often, for some reason, the AARP rate will be lower than many of the other special offers that travel suppliers have. Um, there are discounts on any of a number of things where they use their membership size as a way to have a preferred vendor and get discounts for their membership. So it's really cheap. How much is it to be a member? I forgot. Uh, well, I think that they're having uh, at least the solicitation that I've been receiving is at twelve dollars, uh, a special rate for that probably the first year, and I think it goes uh, up to fifteen after that. It's really inexpensive. I'd say that's very, very low. Yeah, twelve bucks 
if you set up for auto renew and then you'd have to remember to go in if you didn't like it, didn't use it, to go back and shut down your renewal. But for $12, I'd say it's well worth you seeing if you're going to save money being a member. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate uh, your advice and uh, keep up the incredibly good work that you're doing. Well, you're kind and have a wonderful day. Thank you, sir. Take care. Bye-bye. And Lisa's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Clark. So, Lisa, you're thinking of buying an investment property. Yes, we are. We are. um, uh, My husband is retired military and retired from the um, commercial airlines also. And we have, uh, we're at the age of 68 where we have to start taking some money out of our investments, if I understand it correctly. Actually, the law was changed. You don't have to take money out till age 72 now. Awesome. That was just part of it. The real part is that I know the stock market is just awesome right now, and we can do awesome for a long time, but I'm getting concerned that it's not going to stay as strong as it is. And my question is, should I take, for instance, um, if I wanted to buy a rental home, for instance, for $300,000, that amount would not hurt us financially if we lost it all. So I was wondering if I should take the money out, the cash from the um, our investments, and buy a home cash, or should I buy that rental property like the general way for getting a mortgage on it? Okay, great question. Interest rates are especially depressed right now, including yes. on investor-owned property. And I would say uh, instead of paying for the whole thing with money that you would liquidate from stock investments pay 30% down with money from stock investments and mortgage the rest. If you do 30% down, you'll get a very favorable rate. But I want to go back to the idea of buying a $300,000 rental property. At that kind of price point, you may not have something that'll be a positive investment for you. There's a back-of-the-envelope rule that a lot of real estate investors use, and that is the rent that you get per month needs to be equal or exceed 1% of the value of the property. So in your case, if you spent 300000 on a rental property, it would need to be one that you could generate rent per month of 3000 or more to make it a, a pretty smart investment for you to do. Oh, okay, I see. Right. Because what happens is that as you move up the, the rental chain, you move more and more towards people who are who could rent or could buy. And so rents start to level, not level off, but the increase of them becomes flatter versus the price increase of the property. And that's why if you follow that simple 1% rule, you'll know you're in a zone where you're going to be generally safe with that rental property. Today's Clark Rages moment is really important for you to keep your ears open for It's one that's fast spreading around the United States, causing all kinds of hassle for people just by clicking on a simple email. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. FedEx and UPS both have put out warnings in the last 24 hours 
to be very aware of receiving a text or an email either saying that you have a package scheduled for delivery. So often it's normal, like we get a lot of packages delivered by FedEx and UPS, and you'll see that email notification. You think, oh, so you just click on it. Well, the thing is, the messages that are phony, not coming from FedEx or UPS, have uh, basically viruses in them. And if you then click on them and answer the questions, they're getting personal information from you. FedEx and UPS aren't going to do that kind of thing. The best thing, set up accounts with FedEx and UPS where you just get notifications that a package is coming without you having to click on it to open it. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clarkdeals.com is where we post deals, post bargains for you throughout the day and night. So there are some trends going on in the marketplace where people's health with their credit is spreading out. And lenders are starting to get nervous, like uh, Discover Card, which provides a lot of credit to people who are middle income, has seen a tripling of the amount of people that are falling behind on their debt. And so it's now, it's gone from like a billion to three billion something from something I saw, a trade item. And so... Issuers of credit of various types are getting really nervous that here we are with very low unemployment, but larger and larger number of people are wheezing with the debts they have. So, you know, we don't have one credit score, any of us. We have hundreds. And there are various flavors, each credit bureau, based on what they have on their reports, even using the same scoring model will come up with different scores from you because different things will be on the report. So it's just kind of a general direction. That's why I've encouraged you to sign up for Credit Karma. And Credit Sesame is a way for you for free to track what's going on with your credit. And it'll be more like horseshoes, not the actual real FICO score. But again, even FICO, there are a zillion different ones because of what's on there, and which version of a FICO score is being used. You have a different one for insurance than you have for auto, than you have for mortgages, than you have for credit cards. And then with all these, there are different numerical ones. So the new one that FICO has just announced is FICO 10. There's also a sub one called FICO 10T. What does this mean to you? The new model is specifically designed to trigger a warning to banks, credit unions, and credit card companies, among others, when you are in danger with your credit. And they've learned certain factors that are going to be emphasized in the new FICO 10. And that is, if you take out personal loans to try to deal with credit card debt, that is like a huge danger sign and signal that you can't handle the debt you have. 
So just know, and I think how many calls I get uh, every week, I get calls from people wanting to talk about consolidating their credit card debt some way or another. Well, that is an indicator that you're having trouble handling the debt that exists. And unfortunately, people who take out a personal loan and move their credit card debt to it often then start charging the credit cards up again. So the new scoring model is going to really single you out in that circumstance when you have existing credit card debt and take out a personal loan. Also, another factor is if the amount of debt you're carrying shows a steady increase over time. The prior scoring models that the various scoring models do is they just look at a snapshot, your current month. And so let's say you had to do a big repair on your car and that caused your amount of credit card debt to rise. It would immediately cause a drop in your credit score once that's reported. Well, under the new scoring model, what they're looking at is the trend. The trend is either your friend or your enemy. If you're trending down with how much debt you carry, that will be good for your score and better as an impact than before. On the other hand, if your trend is higher with debt, then you're going to get hurt a lot more than before because of the pattern. And so those are some of the highlights, but there are a number of factors being used. And the thing is, lenders will choose whether they want to adopt FICO 10 or stay with an earlier version. A lot of times they'll stay with an earlier version because it will require them to rewrite software they already have, and they're too lazy to do that. But lenders that are really getting freaked out about people defaulting or bankrupting out on debt, particularly at the point the economy slows, they're going to be more likely to convert to 10 And I want to tell you that regardless of how you slice this, it only amplifies what I've told you in the past about how to protect your credit reputation. And it's that you come up with whatever system works for you, whether it's automatic calendar reminders, if you use an electronic calendar, or it's some kind of sheet of paper where you put down all the bills you owe, and every month, January through December, And you check off that you paid it in that month. So if a bill goes missing or whatever, you're like, hey, I didn't pay that Visa card because you see on your calendar reminder or you see it on the sheet of paper and you pay it before it would be delinquent. And know that your utilization is going to be even a more impactful thing as we move forward. That's the percent of your available credit you're using. And you never want the amount of available credit you're using to go above 30%. I mean, people that are really into having these turbo high credit scores never let it go above 10%. What that means in English is if you have total available credit on your credit card or cards of, let's say, um, $1,000, that you'd never have charged up on a card or cards more than 300 and if you really want to have a great score, never more than $10 on 100 And if you follow that and pay every bill on time every month, you're going to be A-OK. Lawrence joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lawrence. Hi, how are you? 
Great. Thank you, Lawrence. You're buying a used vehicle and you got some questions for me about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a 2010 SUV um, and it's got very low mileage, 72,000. Um, the brand that I'm buying, I have a friend who buys a similar SUV from them and he always puts like 350,000 on it. So the, the goal is to keep this for a very long time. And you know, it's um, not a shock for vehicles to last that many miles now. And um, I remember when a vehicle was considered to be junkyard ready when it hit 100,000 miles. Yeah. But vehicles are so much more durable and reliable now that you buying a 10-year-old vehicle, you could see another 10 or 20 years use out of it if you're really of a mind to do that. Yeah, I'm hoping for 10. Okay. Um, anyway, so I, I, I'm taking out a small loan for it and with the credit union, and they offered me um, <clears throat> a uh, bumper-to-bumper warranty. And I know that you... I hate that. I okay, hate that. There's all, I didn't, I'm not going to take it. It's just asking. I just okay, wanted to... Okay, so there are a couple of, couple of factors here. Okay. The credit union you're a member of is selling you a third-party warranty. Correct. It's not from them. It's not their own thing. So if, if the warranty company, which is so true with these third-party warranties, doesn't do what they said they're going to do, uh, you're out the money. How much is it for the third-party warranty? Um, four years was twenty one hundred, and it's very front loaded. If I want to do one year, it's seventeen hundred. Okay, and the cost of buying a ten year old vehicle is how much? Um, I paid with taxes and everything eleven thousand. Okay, so you'd be paying an extra twenty percent of the value of the vehicle to buy a third party warranty that might not ever pay you a penny, even when the chips are down. Correct. Yeah, I, I would not do that. Okay. It means that if you next month have the engine seize up and you're told it's going to be $5,000 to replace it, you're going to be hating me because you're going to be $3,000 yeah. out of pocket. <laughs> but, you yeah, might not yeah, have been yeah. otherwise. But also, right. this is a Toyota? Yes, it's a Highlander. If you look at Consumer Reports, it's, a, it's one of the most reliable of all vehicles. Right, right. I years. did that. Yes. So that would also be an indicator that you wouldn't want to buy uh, a third-party warranty. And manufacturer is not going to sell you one on a ten-year-old vehicle because there's no net in it for them. You know, it's right. not, it's not going to work out right. for them. And so somebody who says that they're going to sell you one for a couple of grand that'll cover a ten-year-old vehicle for four years, uh, I'm very skeptical that it's going to be worth anything to you okay yeah well i won't do it then i just i just wanted to get a confirmation you know it's got low mileage so um, you enjoy so, that vehicle but one thing i would have you do even though you're buying it from a credit union you're a member of go mm-hmm. to an independent toyota mechanic because those are okay. there are so many of those around the country pay an independent mechanic to do an inspection of it to make sure there's nothing in its history or in its present that would make it a bad purchase for you Okay. Uh, great idea. Thank you. All right. Well, best to you, and I hope it does get you 10 years of trouble-free service. Don is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Don. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Don. You want to head to Great Britain? Well, yes, we do. My wife and I. That's wonderful. So how long are you going to go for? 
Well, we're thinking three weeks, and wow. we were trying to. Wow, that's a great amount of time to really be able to explore. Well, we're, we're maybe we're biting off too much, though, Clark, because what we were thinking is we wanted to go to London, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. And with a little research, I'm finding is <laughs> maybe that's a little bit too much. Yeah, that's a lot to do. Even in three weeks, you're asking a lot of yourself. That'll be a lot of time uh, on trains or a lot of time in a rental car driving on the wrong side of the road and going around the roundabouts backwards. <laughs> right. And so um, I would say that what I would do is start planning out what's exciting to you. And, you know, there are all these guides online. You can see a recommended itinerary. And see how right. many days you need for the places you really want to see, let's say, in England and Scotland, as an example. And right. see if you still have days left. And if you do, maybe you add Wales to it. But I think adding Ireland as well in a three-week trip, that's a lot to ask of yourself. You could, do the, you could go the other way. You could visit London and uh, southern England and then take one of the cheap flights because they're like uh, 20 bucks to fly over to Ireland and tour Ireland. And Ireland's small enough and you can travel around Ireland pretty quickly. You could do England and Ireland maybe uh, and cover a lot in three weeks without exhausting yourself. Right. But well, I would, I would probably... really let the online guides give you that ability to build out an itinerary and see what looks right. Okay, okay, that that sounds like a good recommendation. I I hadn't really started researching till a couple of weeks ago, and when I got into it, it was kind of mind-boggling, like what to see in what amount of time. And the last thing I wanted to do was, you know, have 21 days in 21 cities and come back all blurred. <laughs> right, and that's what would happen. I mean, you wouldn't right. remember where was that? Where did we see that? Oh, we got we missed the museum today. Well, we're going somewhere else tomorrow. We're not going to get to see it. So there's a simple travel rule that uh, is one that I can recommend to you, and that is that in minor stops you spend two nights, and in major stops you spend four nights. Except on your itinerary, you'd probably want six or seven nights in the London metro area. Right. So give yourself that second night each place you stop, and you won't okay. feel like you're always packing and unpacking and trying to figure out how you're getting to the next place. Right. Well, our, our goal uh, turned out was, when we started thinking about this, was Ireland. So, uh, But my wife had never been to London. So then, then that's simple. If, if Ireland's where her heart had been set, do Ireland and London. Do a week in London. Do two weeks in Ireland. And if you love it so much, you go back and you explore elsewhere. Okay. <laughs> that, sounds like, that sounds like good advice. And in two weeks, always... two weeks, you can see a lot of really neat things in Ireland. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Ireland never grows old on me. I've been four times, and I can't wait till I go wow. back another time. Wow. And What's been the to... highlight in uh, in, well, in Ireland, the people are top of the list. Uh, the yeah. scenery is fantastic. The rain drives right. me crazy. Uh, <laughs> I wish it was warmer most of the time. 
um, can't control the rain or the warm, but the people are great. The beauty is extraordinary. And London, right. I've had the privilege over my life to go to London dozens of times. And so it's it's a city that I could easily live in other than I like warm weather. But it's a great, great city. So that's a wonderful combination trip. Just when you buy an airline ticket to go from England to Ireland, look closely at the rules on those cheap flights, how they charge you for baggage and every other ancillary expense that goes with it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com slash ask, and then we answer it uh, one of three ways, typically. Either a member of Team Clark will contact you or... You'll talk directly to me, or producer Joel will ask your question for you on the show. Yeah, Clark, we got one from Antonio. He says, how can a retiree establish residency but not actually live in a state? I, I plan to go RVing most of the time, and I'd like to establish residency in Mississippi, for example. So, good question, and as a default, most RV owners register their RV in Montana. There are special tax advantages to using Montana as your home base. In fact, there have been scandals around the country where people have been registering not RVs, but their personal vehicles in Montana to try to avoid taxation in the state where they actually reside. But it is legit when you live your life on the road that you select a place to live. If you use Google or whatever search engine you use and you just put in register an RV in Montana, there will be, God, how many search results are there? There are a zillion search results, and you can go read how it works and why people do that. All right, and Carl says, are there any target retirement 401k accounts available? Yeah, so the way it works is most 401k plans will offer you target retirement funds as a choice. It's up to the provider of your 401k to choose the funds that are in it, but it's become standard operating procedure in 401ks that employers offer you the choice of doing a target retirement fund uh, series because it protects the employer as well as you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.